Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio Cause you gotta get in the loop Take off your Sunday shoes Anyway, so I sent that yeah. to Steve Coogan Who's barely in this movie But I sent it to him yeah. And do you know what he said to me, Jason? He said, uh, he didn't say anything His secretary said, fuck off Actually, what happened to me was I got an email from this very str- A male demon Ooh. Oh yeah, I've gotten from that guy And he's uh, he's messed and up he said, undeliverable And I said, Ooh. what? And then he sent me another email back That said, undeliverable And we went back and forth for a while So anyway, anyway that's my expert uh, insight into this movie Clearly we don't need a guest now Yeah, no, we don't need a guest But one is, I think, going to force his way in here God damn it well, you, uh, you just can sit down over there, sir. You can sit down. Thank you very much, sir. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, former prime minister no. and founder, really, founder of the modern Tory party. No. Ladies and gentlemen. No. Sir Robert Peel. What? <laughs> Hello there. I'm from Lancashire, don't you know? Oh. Yes. I've been sent down from a publican oven, which is clearly a bit of a funny thing, given that I was a Tory for so long. Mm-hmm. And I still am at heart. You know what's going on. I barely know who you are, sir. Jason knows a lot more about your politics than I do. I was Prime Minister of the fucking United Kingdom, boy. Well, I don't live there, dude. But you've watched, what, uh, uh, 200 of your moving pictures? Were you so your last name is Peel, huh? Did you do a comedy show with Key? I don't know who that is. Jason, I roasted him. Did you hear that? <laughs> Brendan, you're the best. Thanks. The point is, I don't know that we, meaning Her Majesty, His Excellency, Mr. President, and the old mum. I don't think they want us talking to you no more. They wait, you're wait, you're facing a gag order? Aye. This Aye. is an uh, it was that you're gonna do an episode about a film, as you call it, a moving picture. Mm-hmm. That marks the government. Right, so I'm it's very interesting. Jason, do you hear that? That means the the, the the new al- alliance is giving out gag orders in Republican heaven now. 
Does that I mean? Does that surprise you, given who's up there? Richard Nixon, known for being very liberal, <laughs> loves his free speech. Yeah, loves talking about free speech. Richard Nixon. Hey, does you've never been there? You've heard Richie old Richie go off about free speech. It's actually quite comforting. Oh, is it because he doesn't spe- charge? He only speaks for, for two or three hours. What is it because he doesn't charge you anything to go listen to his speeches? Oh, up top. Well, look, there is money in Republican heaven, but it's only for rich people, so it don't matter. No. Oh, so it's kind of like here. Aye, aye. Gotcha. In fact, it's quite similar. It's completely similar? Aye. But the fact is, we can't support this sort of thing anymore. I don't know why we have in the first place. I don't know why you and you, two idiots from the colonies, would have access to the afterlife. That don't make no sense. And second. we're closing this loophole what? right now. What? You're... Wait, hold on, Jason. This is huge. You're closing yeah, no, this is the Republican <laughs> Republican heaven loophole forever. Aye, aye. We're cutting Jason off. He's not allowed to talk no more. And you're just gonna have to find somebody else to talk to. Oh my God, J- sir, you you can't do this. Well, I can. I was a former prime minister of Great Britain and England and all that. We keep Jimmy. Jimmy who? Jimmy Stewart. Who's that? The guy you just talked to three minutes ago. Right over here by the door, you English prick. Oh. Uh, f- fine. Phew. That was a close one. I right, get the hell off. Oh, thank God. I'm going to be a ghost walking the earth for eternity. Thanks a lot, fellas. <laughs> no problem, Jim. And Peel, yeah, you, no problem, Jim. Peel, you can get the fuck out of here. Well, I would be happy to, but I just want to say on behalf of Republican Evan, thank you for the services you've provided to us, but we hope you burn in hell, just like every other progressive or uh, person who don't agree with us or anybody who's ever wanted to do better in life. I hope you burn in hell with every last one of them. And because you don't understand that when you're rich and you're from the proper family, from Yankershire, you don't have to worry about nothing, and that's how it is. So fuck you. And fuck you especially, and fuck all your audience, I'm out. Mic drop. No, you can't drop the mic. Get him out. Get him out of here, Jim. Oh, get out of here, you English prick. That's the only insult I know for your kind. Just, you English prick, get out. Is he gone? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good, though. Thanks, Jim. I killed a bunch of you assholes back in WW2. Uh, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> what side were you on, Jim? <laughs> it's not important. It's not important. Just know that I did my I did my job and that I had extra time. You did your bit. <laughs> well, let's uh, <laughs> let, 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 let's 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 not talk about Jimmy. Huge reveal that Jimmy Stewart yeah. might have fought for the Germans. War criminal, or that he? Yeah, I know. It's a uh, it's a what is. Huge if true, Brett. He had a lot of time to kill, and what better way to do it than by killing Brits? Well, I just wanted to make it more fair. <laughs> we I, were, didn't want, I didn't want the Germans to go down without a chance. We were kicking. Hey, boys, have you ever seen a WWE wrestling match? Now, how exciting is it when they go That's back and exciting. forth for 25 minutes? You don't know who's going to win. Isn't that a joy? Sure, but when uh, Brock Lesnar goes to Suplex City, he doesn't actually level an entire city as much as you'd like to believe that. Well, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. I don't want to see a Brock Lesnar squash. I wanted this to be like a like a AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura back and forth. 
You had a lot of foresight for a guy back in the 40s. Well, what, are you, what am I going to do but watch modern wrestling? Anyway, I'll be at the door, fellas, smoking my cigar. Okay. See you, Jim. Wrong kid died. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Wait, I don't know who he's talking about. I just like quoting Walk Hard. Bye. Oh, oh I thought he was talking about the Belushis. No. Well, I mean, he could have been. Wow, Jason, a lot happened in in these opening minutes. We no longer have access to Republican heaven? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. It's messed up. It's messed up. And, I mean, it was, okay, so, I mean, was it messed up that I had access to the afterlife? Well, kind of, because, I mean, should a human who's still alive have access to the dead? I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, you I'm did. I'm not a moralist. You, I'm not an ethicist. I mean, you did trick a witch. Look, she had it coming. She was trying to trick me, and if I hadn't tricked her first, then I would have been eaten in that gingerbread house oven. Right, and I came with... I don't know why you made me put a wig on and come with you, but it was something. It just made me feel more comfortable, Brennan. Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to kink shame you. Um, Jason, after all this insanity, I have to I have to sit down and, and talk to the folks here with my guitar in hand um, and let them know that this is a podcast. It is. And this is a podcast about British films, believe it or not. Uh, and sure. if you're just joining us for the first time, you're probably wondering, what in the hell just happened? Well, that's just kind of what we do over here at the podcast that is named for your benefit. It's named for your for your benefit. <laughs> for your benefit. It's named for Screen and Gundra. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And also, apparently, Ted Koppel. Um, <laughs> but yes, we talk about British films. We are almost done this Empire list. In fact, we only have two more movies on this list. We're about to take a oh, bit of a diversion goodness. after this movie. Um, but this week, we are, of course, continuing on. We are talking about In the Loop. But before we talk about this week's movie, we ought to read some comments regarding last week's film that we discussed. And that was, of course, 24-hour party people. So let's read these comments for 24 hours, parties, peoples. I mean, good try. I made it work. You always do, buddy. I made it work, and I made it rain. Um, Jason, we we do have some comments here about the, the people that party for 24 hours. And uh, yeah. we're going to start it off with... Kip Mooney, who, when I originally read this, I thought it was Billy Gunn's real name, and then I was like, "Oh wait, his name is Kip Sop, so it's not it's not him." Wait, Just, his real name is his real name is Kip Sop. It is Kip Sop. So if anyone's wondering, that's his real name. Yes, this is not uh, a comment from badass Billy Gunn. Just want to clear that right away. And he changed his name to Billy Gunn when his real name was Kip Sop. It's really, there's something you could have done with that. <laughs> Um, I don't think he wanted the gimmick that would associate with that. So, <laughs> not that oh, Billy God. Gunn is. Like I, a, oh, my mind is running wild. Oh. Hey, uh, Kip Sop, can we can we make him a wet sock? <laughs> Kip Sop the wet sock. Anyway, Kip Mooney, who is not related to Kip Sop, as no, far as I know, sorry, says uh, about twenty four hour party people. One of my favorites. Wish more biopics would follow this lead of being barely accurate and mostly just having a blast. I mean, the Weird Al movie is one of my favorite biopics, and it's accurate only in very specific facts. I mean, the fact that Weird Al is a person that did songs is about well, where it ends. No, no, but there are things, like, like for instance, like, uh, uh, his parents actually did buy him an accordion from a door-to-door accordion salesman. Oh, okay. Like, that's, that's a legit fact. And he did <laughs> have an affair with Madonna. Oh, obviously. Yeah. I, I think the truth of that was Madonna's the only person I think he allowed to ask him or that she asked him to do a song and he was cool with it and he doesn't let anybody else ask him. 
but for some reason Madonna asked him and he was like, okay. I mean, Madonna's huge. She, uh, that's probably why he said yes. Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> say no to Madonna. Yeah. I, I think something happened, definitely. Theo Maddox writes our next comment, Brendan, and he writes, I love it. It's so much funnier, more interesting, and more creative than any other cookie-cutter music biopic. Coogan's hilarious, and it features a loads of British actors in tiny roles who have gone on to become big names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. The spot, spot, the and having, you know, the, the two of us having watched so many British movies now, it's extra fun for us because we recognize these these small parts. Like, like you, you, of course, you notice Hermione Baddeley uh, in the background of 24-Hour Party <laughs> People in the scene. She was just on rolling on E. Yeah, she was like 90. Was, it was crazy when she popped up. It's like, wow, Oscar <laughs> winner Hermione Baddeley. And, and and wait, so are you saying that this movie was Hermione Baddeley's breakout role? Uh, no, I don't know if I'd say that. Certainly in the public consciousness, and in the okay. American public consciousness, it was the beginning of Baddeley mania. I mean, <laughs> right, and it ran wild um, for another year or two because she was very old. But She's um, very old. I mean, and Simon Pegg is a like legitimate example yeah. from that movie that just pops up, and no one, no one really knew who he was then. Certainly, yeah. I mean, post. Uh, I mean, unless you were a fan of Space, you probably didn't know who he was. Yeah, but it was still before Shaun of the Dead. So, and even yeah. Spaced was like maybe a year or two before this movie came yeah. out, so it's pretty pretty close to yeah. Nobody on this side of the world would know who he was. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, our next comment comes from Alex Gutierrez, and uh, sorry if I butcher, butchered that. <laughs> what are you? Are you Alex Trebek? You got to put you got to put some stank on that. You got yeah, like, to put, put an accent on. on that. Alex Gutierrez says, as an American that loves that era of music i feel biased but outside of that it's a brilliant film great performances original pseudo documentary fiction style and those cameos and breaking of the fourth wall and context soliloquies are done are so original and done so well yeah yeah i like the breaking the fourth wall people love this movie there wasn't there was hardly there was not really any negativity i have one comment on here that comes even close to it but the okay. people that seen this uh, i'm sorry i re- revealed my country roots roots people, there for a moment. the people that the seen people this, seen this god damn it they love it i seen this movie i did i seen it i seen it over there well i think sharon um, horwat done seen this movie because what does she, she have to say she did done seen this movie brennan and sharon says it's a really interesting film and it feels very much appropriate of the era of early digital filmmaking i.e it looks like it was filmed on a potato we, we I, certainly i pointed yeah. this out in the episode that yes shot on grainy digital video in the early days and yes it does look uh, it does look a bit rough and those poor people in the credits that you can't see their names like you mentioned the gaffer mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i salute the gaffer always a john c clark gaffed movie filmed on a potato and you can't read the credits man but and still <laughs> and in spite of that still a great movie see they should have uh, filmed hunger on a potato that would have been as irish as you can get oh I mean, yes. Poor taste, I'm sure, but still. <laughs> still, I still laugh at that. I, I don't know where Archer hears this from. I'm sure it's just an old thing, but but when Mallory talks about the idea of having a potato being the Irishman's dilemma, you you don't whether to eat it now or drink it later, <laughs> it just always makes me laugh. I I just I just think it'd be it's the my most, favorite cultural stereotype. The biggest Irish stereotype ever would be if like Wild Mountain Time came out and they projected it onto a giant potato. Yeah. <laughs> But like free whiskey. But like in like Delaware. <laughs> well, yeah, the the Irish diaspora, Delaware. Well, you gotta well you gotta go the full tilt uh, tribute to Wild Mountain Time by having it be Irish ostensibly, but really nothing yeah. about it being Irish. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, our next comment comes from Gerald Enoch, 
And Gerald says, love the scene in the bathroom where he points to the janitor who is the real person being portrayed in the film at that moment in history, who then looks at the camera and says that this scene never happened. It, that is the essence of this film. Thoroughly enjoy this. Love a good meta movie, even when it is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, and that's how they get away with all that stuff that you know is bullshit because he tells you right up front, hey, I'm Tony Wilson. This is the movie. This is the story that I'm telling. And I changed a bunch of stuff because I can. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. It's, it's, you, it's, if, it's sort of Gonzo. It's kind of like um, like Thompson, you know. I see it more as a Rizzo. Eh? 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 I think Rizza, it's uh, the Jizza. No, because you said Gonzo and I said Rizzo. Oh, Come on, what? man. Oh, it's a Muppet joke. I got Jesus you. Christ. Yeah. This guy. Look at this I, guy. I think. Um, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's a funny way to get to get away with that. To be like, you know what? People, if people want to know about it, they can go read a fucking book. They can go watch a documentary. We're just here to have fun and kind of pay tribute to it. Yeah. I still stand by the fact that that movie is okay. I don't love the movie, but I do like that part. Uh, John Tripp writes and he says, I like it, but I feel it's one of those where it helps to be into the subject matter, particular the, particularly this music scene beforehand. I don't know if someone going in blind would appreciate it as much. Well, we can ask Brendan. Steve Coogan is great as always, though. Yeah, but I don't think, again, I don't think it's the music that really caught me. I think I just got, I think I just got grinded down by the style a little bit after, after the 45, 50 minute mark. It just kind of, it kind of reached its peak and then it just slowly kind of descended as the movie finished. I can say, from my perspective, John, um, as a person who wasn't super familiar with this uh, scene, but I can tell you I knew who the Sex Pistols were, for sure, and uh, and having watched Control, I was a little more aware of uh, Joy Division and kind of that scene, uh, but I still enjoyed it, even though I'm not really deeply familiar with Manchester in this era. I'm more only familiar with Manchester in, uh, when it was portrayed in uh, Life on Mars, but that's me. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Well, Jason, this is the last comment that I can see, but I understand you have a bonus comment. But the last I comment for, that I can see it comes from Michael C. Williams. Um, holy shit, Back from the Dead? Isn't that the guy yep. on the wire? <laughs> uh, maybe? I don't know. Okay. I forget. Uh, well, Michael, um, who apparently might also be Jason McCloud, because I think you made the same comment, said, I had no idea who the Happy Mondays were until I watched it. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those British bands that just, for whatever reason... Never reached my pop culture ears. And it makes sense because there's plenty of Canadian bands like that that the British and the Americans don't know who are. Yeah, who I are. mean... I, Do they know I, who the trues are? Probably not. I, I feel like the Happy Mondays, again, didn't make it as big on this side of the pond. No. As some but of the other ones. beloved in their home country. Yeah. I mean, certainly a lot of people know Joy Division. A lot of people know, you know, hmm. Sex Pistols. But I Definitely I New think... Order. Definitely New what? New Order, for sure. Because... Oh. Uh, that song uh, uh, that they do, that great song that sure. I can't remember the name of, you know, do, 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 you know that one? No, I don't. <laughs> I think I know the name Joy Division more than I know New Order, to be honest. How does it feel? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dreaming like you do. Well, Jason, beep, 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 beep. That's the news trolla, the comment trolla. I believe you have a, a late-breaking comment here. Yes, straight in, straight in from London, across the Atlantic, via Morse code. I've received okay, a telegram from our friend Color Horizon, uh, 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 self-proclaimed a Brit, who uh, <laughs> Wait, is a huge fan. Self-proclaimed? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. He says he is. Hold on, I'll check, like the, I'll, I'll check the fact troll up. It says, see other side. Okay, hold on. It says, see other side. Okay, one second. See other side. What? You know what? Just put it aside. 
Okay. You can come back to it later. Should I, I see the other side? No, no, just oh. wait on it. Okay. Just wait on it. Okay, I just gotta, I just gotta, I just gotta put it back in the factual. Hold on. Thank you. So our friend Color Horizon via Telegram sent us this. Uh, he, uh, he wished to issue a statement on oh, the uh, film, oh. which is a favorite of his, and he writes. 24-hour party people is a love story. Although they might be the central characters, the movie's not about Wilson, Curtis, and Ryder. It's about music, friendship, and drugs. And the love generated when these elements join. These three elements join. It's the love of a city that found itself, for a time, as the cultural hub of the world until Oasis took too much coke. The movie ends on a roof with friends sitting around chatting, passing a spliff. They know they have done special things, but not the how or why. Okay. This is a man who loves the movie. Prophetic words. Much. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand. I, I I completely understand its appeal. And I thought it was pretty good, but it just didn't it just didn't resonate as much. I don't I know. S- I see his point though, because like Manchester as a as a place is not maybe an internationally recognized city. Like when you think of England, you know, you think of London, you might think of uh well, you'll think of London, I guess. That's, I think that's of, the English city. You know? I think of Leeds, but that's only because I'm a wrestling nerd, and that was uh, when, where uh, Davy Boy Smith was built from. Of course, Leeds. Yes, Leeds is a good place to think of. Um, but, uh, yeah. And Manchester getting its uh, place in the sun, that's really cool. That'd be like if uh, all of a sudden, like, I don't know, Winnipeg was, like, the center of the world for, I don't know, uh, movies, maybe? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Like, the, all of a sudden, Guy Madden's, like, at the top of the world. You get what I'm saying? No. No. Well, fuck you. Let's end this. Okay. <laughs> well, let's end this. Let's, 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 put the, let's put the kibosh on this. It's time to move on, people. It's time to talk about this week's movie, which is, of course, In the Loop. In life, sometimes you need to push forward. In life, sometimes you need to soar. Sometimes in life, you just have to give it all and throw yourself into the loop for more. Into the loop is where you go. Into the loop. There might be snow, it depends on what time of year it is, and surely you know how a calendar works. So if it's time for you to rest, understand there can be none but the best, and the only way to get it is in the loop. Well, I want to apologize. It looks like we've run out of time, so that's going to be... Well, thank you! That's going to do it for us here on For Screen. And Schmoobies. What? Yes, Jason, of course, uh, once again giving us a delightful rendering of the real theme song for the movie, In the Loop. Jason, we are talking about a a big satirical comedy this week. Mm. After we did some some comedy uh, real-life drama last week that's that's the genre right comedy real life mm-hmm. drama mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yes absolutely um this is a movie called in the loop uh this movie is directed by armando Iannucci, 
who mm-hmm. uh, people may know as a director of The Death of Stalin, and as also, mm-hmm. I believe, the creator of the show Veep. Yes, he is. He is absolutely. The Veep is inspired by the show The Thick of It, of which this movie is a spinoff. Would you say he's the Veep VP? The VP of Veep? He's, 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 if anybody, he's the president of Veep. So he's the Veep P. He's the P of the VP. P Veep. POTUS of the V POTUS. Okay, perfect. Well, this movie, um, just want to give a little rundown of some of the people that pop up in here, and I'm sure you'll add to this list because I don't know everyone, Jason. But we've got uh, Peter Capaldi, a.k.a. one of the Doctor Whos, one of the Doctors. He Was he not also in Local Hero? I believe that was another movie he showed up in. Yeah, yeah, I think he was, yeah. yeah. But Peter Capaldi showing up as uh, Malcolm Tucker, the Director of Communications for the Prime Minister, a.k.a. Uh, maybe the greatest man to ever swear in the history of film. Um, He's definitely up there. He's up there with Ermi and a few others. But uh, <laughs> and also this this character was from the thick of it. The thick of it, which this movie yeah. is sort of based on a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. it's got characters from the thick of it. Um, we've got uh, Tom Hollander as Simon Foster, who I would argue this is really like the main character. If you had to pick yes. someone, I would say he's the guy we follow the most. But he's the Secretary of State for International Development. Um, We've got uh, Chris Addison as Toby Wright. He's the special advisor to the Secretary of State for International Development. Well, I don't even think he's a secretary. I think he's a minister, isn't he? Because he's British. Well, no, Chris Addison is the special advisor to the secretary. You know, that's what he's called. I'm just, I'm reading their literal positions here. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Gina McKee uh, as Judy Malloy, the director of communications for for the whole department. Uh, Gina McKee was uh, the cafe girl. And I'm just, I'm not saying that because I don't remember her name. That's how she was credited in Naked. And she was also uh, in a couple other things we haven't talked about, but she's in Phantom Thread, and she was also in Notting Hill. So she's been in some stuff. Who was um, she in Phantom got, Thread? Was she the main? Wasn't the main? No, one? she's the Countess. Oh, she's okay. like the one that they're making the dress for. Right. Okay. Um, we've also got Mimi Kennedy as Karen Clark, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Diplomacy. We've got uh, my girl herself, Anna Chlumsky, as right. Liza Weld, the advisor to Karen Clark. Uh, we've got uh, David Rash, uh, one of my favorite performances in the movie as Linton Barwood. <laughs> he's so he's got such a wonderful voice in this yeah. movie. He's so such a condescending prick. He's such a prick. Um, we've got Zach Woods, who people will yes. know as Gabe from The Office. The American. early Zach Woods, I would say. Yeah. Um, and he's pretty much like a similar character here, but a lot meaner. <laughs> this is this is this is kind of yeah. This is this is the based Zach Woods character, but instead of being like a uh, uh, kind of a cringy uh, coward like he was in the office, he's yeah, he's just a dickhead here. But he's also kind really, of a but that's a clear description of just about everybody in an Armando Iannucci production. They're all dickheads to some but extent. But Zach Woods is also kind of a cringy dickhead, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, and his name is Chad. Um, (laughs) he's a junior staffer in the U S state department. And for me, last but not least, how can I not mention, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the, I would say actually for the U S this is the most famous person in the movie is James Gandolfini as Lieutenant General George Miller, the senior military assistant to the secretary of the U S secretary of defense. It would have been great if he was one of the Brits. Uh, also, the at least the second movie that uh, James Gandolfini has played a general in, because he's in one of my favorite obscure movies these days, uh, The Last Castle. No, The oh. Last Castle, starring him and Robert Redford. Oh. Yeah, that's, I like that movie. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It seems like a dad movie. It's definitely a dad movie, no question. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, okay. It's about a bunch um, of guys in a military prison. Sound, yeah, sounds like a dad movie. Uh, I don't use that term... In a, in a negative connotation, by the way. That's just a genre. 
I'm always though. I'm always pleased when I see Jimmy Gandolfini because I know him uh, pop up in a movie since since he passed. Because you know I haven't seen every James Gandolfini movie, so if, when a what? new James Gandolfini to me performance comes up, I'm always happy. You haven't seen every James Gandolfini movie, no. Jason. What are we even doing here? I know I've tried, but there's there's. Uh, I mean, he's. I mean, he, I, I did see the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Saw that in then the theater. That's, that's all you got to see, I guess. Yeah, the biggest one for sure. The Incredible Burt one. You, until a year ago, <laughs> you hadn't seen Jaws. Yeah. But you've seen The Incredible Burt Wonderstone yeah. in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. It was, oh, it was yo, Katrina yo. likes Steve Carell, so we went to see <laughs> that movie. And have you seen Evan Almighty? Uh, No, I did see Bruce Almighty. Okay. Well, I'm glad you uh, didn't fall for that trick. No, I think <laughs> Katrina probably saw that years before uh, we got together. I've never seen it, but I've heard it's terrible. Uh, yeah, um, inexpensive. Yes, that one of the biggest flops ever, I think. Yeah. So, surprise, his career recovered after that. I know. Um, it's, uh, the Office is the most amazing thing <laughs> to ever happen to the guy. So, in the loop, this is uh, this is our second last movie that we're doing on this Empire list. Jason, did you, I, you mentioned the thick of it? Did you know anything about this movie going into it? Uh, I not really. I mean, I, I I've seen the Death of Stalin, so I knew uh, I knew movie. she. I've seen the. Couple, the opening episode of Veep a couple times, uh, and I should probably dig deeper into that series because the you cast. Dig, speaking, speaking of great casts, you should dig deep into Veep. Yeah, dig deep into Veep. That, I'm, why didn't they? Why didn't they use that as a slogan when it went on streaming? Like, hey guys, now's your chance. Dig deep into Veep. <laughs> um, but if I ever watch it, I just want you to know if I'm like on season three or four, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell someone, yeah, I'm watching Veep. I want I'm deep in Veep. Yeah. I feel like I may have tried to watch the thick of it at some point, but I don't remember much about it because I didn't stick mm-hmm. with it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know that Iannucci is kind of famous for his, like, uh, uh, biting satire. Yeah, so I know of Iannucci's kind of, uh, you know, he's known for biting satire kind of in the vein. Like, when I think of him, I think of him kind of in the vein of uh, Chris Morris and, and Four Lions that we watched, although... I don't know. As, as as satirical and biting as this movie is, is I don't know that it quite approaches the darkness of <laughs> Four Lions. But <laughs> this movie, yeah, this movie's not certainly not. I wouldn't say this movie's really that dark. I would no. say it's it's pretty sharp. Well, I mean, the, the it, whole premise it, of the movie is about trying to try to get a war going. I mean, well, that's dark it. enough in of itself. I mean, tell us the premise. Yeah, yeah, the premise is uh, the United States and the UK are getting together and they're trying to. Uh, justify a an invasion in the Middle East. Wink, wink. wonder mm. what that's about. It's never actually indicated specifically what country they're talking about, but I think we can all figure it out. Uh, and, and it basically and boils de- down what? I was just saying, and this department of focus in the movie is not a real department. No. It's like a fictional thing for the movie, right? No, he, international he's... development. Yeah, he's, he's a guy in a relatively obscure... Uh, department yeah it's not not very important and really should not be something that's involved in uh, international politics are you talking with simon foster yes yeah, simon simon uh, he, he but he puts his foot in it by during an interview and talking when asked about the war when he's desperately trying not to talk about it or at least he's been told not to talk about it he's he's asked about the war and he says that the war is uh, war as in general is unforeseeable mm-hmm. which sets off his colleagues especially malcolm Played by Peter Capaldi, who is I, what did he say he was? What was his title at the beginning of the movie? He is the uh, director of communications for the prime minister. Yeah, so he is a he's, he's a in a position. Yeah, he's a high up dude, and he's in a position where you need to be a son of a bitch. Oh, and he's a son he, of a bitch. He is a son of a bitch. Like I don't yeah. remember. 
don't remember the last time we've had. Well, I mean that's not true. We just we watched Naked for God's sakes. But yeah, it's been a while since we have a character this sharp tongued and yeah. like just man, this is a savage character. Yeah, this this is like this sort of guy in real life is just a guy who is just smoking cigarettes all day. He's probably doing a bump here and there to keep the energy going. Like he's just. Yeah, he's 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 literally he's like the political version of Arlie Ermy. I mean, maybe not that crazy, but yeah, he's got away with words. <laughs> yeah, and he and he is only uh, one of two angry Scotsmen in this movie. In fact, the other guy uh, in this movie, who's also from in the thick of it, he's known as the crossest man in Scotland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so they're so the prime minister obviously wants to prosecute this war, and they need like they need justification to go to war apparently. Apparently you need. Apparently you gotta have justification. So they are referred to uh, the U.S. Department, where Anna Chomsky's character Liza has written a report, which lays out the pros and cons of going to war. And it turns out the con section is way bigger mm-hmm. than the. Um, and so, anyways, her paper kind of, without her knowledge, gets submitted into this thing, and it and it starts, you know, and it becomes a problem for the governments because they want to they want to persecute this or persecute they want to prosecute this war, but there's there's this information, and it's just it spirals out from there. It's it's a web of political uh, 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 backslapping and backstabbing, and you know, uh, we follow Simon, and Simon is a character that accidentally steps his foot in it and then becomes a pawn for everybody around him, and he is dragged through this experience <laughs> with with no with no real reason to be there because it's not. It's, I mean, he thinks he can do it, but this isn't his bag. Yeah, and it's very much like. Uh... It's it's very much like a, we're we're following a lot of like bureaucratic nonsense too, like a lot of political backstabbing and stuff. But it's all done like I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like the the word to describe it. We're not we're seeing a lot of the bullshit. Like we're just seeing a lot of the back and forth, the talking, yeah. the the kind of conniving attitudes. But we're not we're not seeing the the results of this. I guess is what I'm saying. We're just seeing like the behind the scenes kind of. Yeah ridiculousness of of government essentially and and the, the fucked up thing about this movie is that as much as it's a satire i don't i don't really think it's probably that far off from how things actually work behind the well, scenes like i mean this is i, I feel about like a, this is this is pretty much how it goes down i mean this is talking about a, an invasion of the middle east i mean yeah. to be fair the iraq war was what 2006 brendan was it how, much, how much dope have you smoked today? Oh, was it? It was Bush. It was like two thousand two. Mm, a little more. Two thousand three. There you go, buddy. March oh, two thousand three. This you year know what I'm tw- saying though. What I'm this saying is this year is the twentieth anniversary of the invasion, Brendan. What I'm saying. Well, happy anniversary. Happy. Um, <laughs> all of I'm our saying, all of our love goes to Iraq, Brendan. Yeah. All I'm saying is that it was before this movie. Is what I meant. So yes. for them to say like, oh, we're gonna invade the Middle East, you're like, yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, clearly... not that, yeah, not that but unbelievable. It's it's satirizing that process of how you know the U.S. and Britain went in on this thing together, and they made the intelligence fit the narrative that they wanted to sell, even though they didn't, you know, they didn't necessarily have solid. They said they had all this evidence of WMDs, but they didn't. No. And <laughs> but Wait, they, they didn't. Sh- they, yeah, no, it's surprising they didn't. Oh fuck! But, I lost so much money, Jason. Yeah, I bet you did, but, um, but they still went. They went, and then it was only after the fact because it's yeah, it's like one of those things. It's, uh, they think it's better to ask forgiveness than ask permission, so they just fucking did it. Yeah, on the on, and then and then never actually you know suffered any consequence for their lies. And quick disclaimer: just gotta say, Saddam Hussein, terrible guy. Glad he's dead, but don't know that it was worth the the price that was paid in blood and treasure. 
I will say though, Blood and Treasure, my favorite YA novel. <laughs> I mean, that's a good name. Yeah, that's kind of actually. I might be oh, we're a little close to like Blood and Soil, which would be a whole different sort of YA. Let's let's not go there. Well, let's, let's call it let's call it HY if you know what I'm talking about. I don't. So Tucker, so this character played by uh, Peter Capaldi, um, I would uh, describe him, like I said earlier, kind of alluded to earlier, a wordsmith with the swear mm. words. I don't know that I've ever heard. I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'll be honest here. I think I've seen one other Peter Capaldi thing, and that was Local Hero. I've never seen Doctor Who, but I don't know. He certainly didn't swear a lot in Local Hero. I'm sure he doesn't <laughs> drop F-bombs in Doctor Who, but yeah. I guess he just has this hidden talent. Or maybe he oh, does yeah. it in the thick of it. No, I th- I'm pretty sure that his character is very much like that in the thick of it, yeah. yeah. That's, I imagine that's why they brought him into the movie, because he's probably a fan favorite. Exactly, yeah. Um, but he has this he has this way of talking that, like, every single thing he says is, like, qu- instantly quotable. Um, it, would have, it would be impossible for me to even quote him, because it's just... I was trying to write a few things down, but yeah. it's just so much. He's just saying these... He's just he just has these one liners that that uh, he just he just drops on us all the time. Like yeah. even just him on the phone when he hangs up and it just quickly he's like a fuckity bye. Like just little <laughs> things like that. Or when he when he goes to he thinks he's going to ha- go have a meeting with uh, with Linton, um, this, uh, you know, this um, assistant secretary, secretary of state for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he's meeting with this like younger guy who's like 22 <laughs> years old. And he's like Johnny Pepperton, baby. And he says, like, no offense, but you look like you should have your head in a fucking toilet. Yeah. And t- and tells him, like, and then, like, a butler shows up. And he's like, oh, look, it's the vice president. Give him bu- give him a bottle of fucking milk. And, yeah. like, walks. <laughs> I like the, he says, uh, I think he says, we burned this city to the ground in 1814, and I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> Starting with you, you frat fuck. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of, I mean, like, d- d- there's. There's a reason why the word fuck is uttered 135 times in this movie, 86 of which are said by him alone. Yeah, absolutely. He does own the majority of fucks in this movie. He does owns the majority of fucks. You're right. Um, but Peter Capaldi is kind of like, and it kind of throws you for a loop too, because I saw his name listed first and I was like, oh, this is the main character. But really he's not. No. Um, he actually doesn't appear in as much of it as you think, but he has such a presence over the movie, like just yeah. hovering over the whole thing that oh, you yeah. feel like he's on for longer than he is. Nobody in this movie is ever happy to see him. <laughs> no, not a single person. The, no. And the only person that matches with him, yeah. matches wits with him, is Gandolfini. Oh, yeah. Well, because, I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? Gandolfini's a fucking f- uh, three-star general. <laughs> and apparently... <laughs> And apparently, so the, the, there's a scene in this movie where Gandolfini and Capaldi have like this kind of verbal tete-a-tete. And um, obviously, Gandolfini is just as good at words as he is. And he's also very intimidating because he's James motherfucking Gandolfini. He's massive. And Peter, Peter Capaldi <laughs> said that he thinks he genuinely pissed him off in this scene. And he was terrified because he thought Gandolfini was going to beat the shit out of him. So there's one moment where... It, only one moment throughout the whole movie where he broke character because I think he pretty much maintained this tone as much as he could just so he, yeah. you know, it's hard to drop. Yeah. Finally uh, <laughs> and, and, to stop. <laughs> and, and Gandolfini said something to him and Capaldi broke character for a moment to look off screen at one of the writers and say, do you have a comeback line for this? <laughs> <laughs> so so that the writer could give him the line and that writer could be blamed. 
<laughs> so you're right. That's fantastic. So he didn't have to like, yeah, he didn't yeah. pretend like it was his line. <laughs> so the one guy that, that rattled him was James Gandolfini. So that's funny. Cause I've, I've always heard nothing. I mean, you know, people don't often speak ill of the dead, but I've also heard that James Gandolfini was nothing but the nicest guy to work with. He was. Oh, and I don't nice, think he yeah. was, I don't know that he was actually mad, but I <laughs> yeah, think he no, just he's was just, so he's a good convincing. Actor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's 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 funny because a guy like Gandolfini could have just rested on his laurels of being the Tony Soprano guy. He could have lived but, off that money, but he doesn't. He does no. some. His he is like a genuinely terrific actor. Like yeah. he he does something different. Even this guy where he's you know this movie he's playing another tough guy, but he's not Soprano as a general. You know what I mean? He could well, easily have it's... just done that. It's not you know because he's so well known for Tony Soprano, but you have to like you remember he's not he's not a New Jersey guy like he's not he's not walking around like oh look at this you know not that Tony was like that. Well, but. <laughs> I mean it probably also helps too that he had a career quite a few years before t- yeah. The Sopranos came out. Oh yeah, absolutely. like he'd been in like True Romance like you know ten twelve years before The Sopranos mm-hmm. even started. Um, but yeah, like you say, after The Sopranos, he really did try to spread his wings and did a, like he did The Mexican where he played that gay hitman. He did, uh, like I said, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone where he was that uh, rich guy, rich kid's uh, father at a birthday party. Everyone knows and that And he was one. very funny in that. Um, yeah. He, yeah, so he, he was he, trying different stuff. I was going to say he showed up on SNL in a cameo, but he basically played Tony Soprano in that one. <laughs> and that is one of those losses that's just like, God damn it, we missed out on so much great Gandolfini. Because he would have well, been, he's... I'm sure he would have killed it in the last decade. Doesn't he have the? Don't you find like even though he plays a guy? I mean, every like you said, everybody's pretty much a dick in this movie. Hmm. Um, I would argue that maybe Karen has the best cause, has the best motivate. Uh, what she's trying to get done, I guess, because she's trying to get get it so that they don't go to war. Which, yeah. No matter what else she's doing, at least she's just trying to get them to not. That go is to a war. good. That is a good thing. But I get the sense that for her, it's a much more practical political thing. Oh, than for sure, somebody sure. like Liza, where I think Liza and. Was it Toby? Was that his assistant? Uh, yes. Yeah, the, the, they actually are younger people, and I think they genuinely emotionally are against the war. Yes. I mean, as we know, Toby has sex with uh, Eliza to stop the war, <laughs> which is one of the best lines of the movie. Just like as soon as he said it, I started laughing, and everybody around the table starts laughing at him when he says that. Well, because he's caught. Yeah, he's caught yeah, cheating. He's caught I, cheating on his girlfriend, but it's the dumbest like excuse. And he says, "Well, you know, I just I really was upset about the war," and they're like, "Wait, <laughs> are you saying you tried to end the war with your dick?" <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say was that. Um, everybody's kind of a dick, but I get the watching James Gandolfini's performance. And I know I'm talking about him a lot in this British movie, but it's got to be said that there's something like, there's something like sweet about him. Like he's got this underlying kind of sweetness, even in this role. Like you see that, because it's another character that I do think there's a part of him that genuinely doesn't want this war to happen. Yeah. No, he he absolutely doesn't. And yeah, uh, because he's experienced it. He's been there. Right. Um, and he has fun chemistry with uh, with her as well. With yeah, um, well he he's uh, a guy Mimi that Kennedy. I think I think he's the guy that comes out the best because by the end of the movie, like because he initially agrees to resign over this with uh, with uh, Karen if they if they vote yes on the war if they vote yes on the war to like make their stand and she does intend to resign but he decides against it and she's grilling him like well, what the hell are you doing like we agreed to do this and he's like look I'm a soldier. And I'm worried about my my guys, you know, and yeah. and if anybody's going to do this, I want to be there. I right. don't want to fight like, this war, but I'd rather be there fighting it and protecting them than, you know. Yeah, his thing is, like, you know, I I, I don't I I'm against the war, but now that there's going to be a war, I'm a soldier, so I got to do my thing. 
And, and I'm sure he I'm sure he sees it too from the perspective of like if I'm there, I can help kind of angle things in a better way. I can, you know, help right. prevent bad shit from going down, maybe. Like he's got the experience, right? He's yeah. got the he's got he's like a three star general, so I mean yeah. he's been around for a while. He's a guy that um, can do something in his position, whereas if he resigns, it doesn't really mean much. It's a stand, but yeah, he yeah, and and, and again, just a, I think uh, a very strong performance too. Just and he gets comedy too. Like he has he has the timing for this kind of comedy, mm-hmm. which is crazy because you never you don't see <laughs> James Gandolfini in too many like British satires. Like well, I mean, but there there are funny moments in The Sopranos. Uh, I mean, sure, where, he, with, with yeah, Tony, but, but di- like Tony's not a character that likes to be seen as a butt of a joke or anything, or to be like that funny because you know he's got a position to maintain. But also, and so does different. the general, I suppose. But it's it's also a different kind of comedy, though. Yeah, it's not. It's the, not the general the same, is like... a much more charming character than a Tony Soprano. Yeah, but but I mean, like in, in the Sopranos, the jokes are not the same as like you know they'd say hey, gabagoo, gabagoo, you Yeah, know? it's all the gabagool stuff. Yeah, I know. But in this, it's like they're you know it, the the humor is so different. It's it's like clever turns of phrase. It's like quick yeah. little repartee. It, it's it's just it's just cool to see him just show up and be like, I got it. He's able to handle Crushing that patented it. Iannucci banter. Immediately. Just he gets it. Yeah. Um but yeah, our main our main guy that we follow, of course, is uh Tom Hollander. Not Tom Holland, relax, ladies. Yeah. Now, Tom Hollander, uh, of course, we know from was it Pride and Prejudice? Is he so is he more like Spider Man then? Because he's Tom Hollander. He's more Tom Holland than Tom Holland. I don't know how much Spider Man he is though. Oh, so you're saying he might be more trying to think of another Tom, he's Tom Holland Hollander. film? Can't he's think Tom of Hollander. It. Oh, so he's like he's with Zendaya all the time. It's like he should have played Nathan Drake, and the movie <laughs> might have might have made it. I mean, I don't know that that would have saved it. <laughs> I mean, then it would have been like, why the hell do they have like a fifty-six-year-old man playing? <laughs> why does Nathan have a British accent now? <laughs> <laughs> why does he have a really bad American accent? <laughs> I'm Nathan um, Drake, and I'm here to save the day. <laughs> And yes, you're right. You're correct. He was in Pride and Prejudice. He played Mr. Collins. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Um. So Tom Hollander is our guy. He's our Simon Foster guy. He kind of reminds me a little bit, to be honest. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael Scott. He's got a little, a little bit, bit of a vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then in that he's kind. Of, he's a doofus, and uh, we see he's a doofus because of his hair. Number one, his hair is just a little too high. <laughs> Uh, right. That makes him look just a, almost almost Kramer-esque, but not quite. Not not quite to that level. That'd be too much. Yeah. But heading in that Kramer direction with less racism. Um, <laughs> well, a lot less racism. A Let's lot be less fair. racism. Like yeah. zero racism. As far as character. I can tell. Uh, his character's kind of sympathetic too, I guess, because yeah. he just he's just kind of a doof, like like you said. He's just kind of he's a, a doof. Doofus. He's a doof from uh you know from Northampton. He's MP for Northampton. He's like a backbencher who has this portfolio that's not really that relevant. It just yeah. puts him in a position to keep him busy. I and... do feel like he genuinely also doesn't want there to be a war. No, absolutely. Because I think he makes a point of saying like you know I got into this when I got into politics. I didn't that's get one in to start a war, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things I never wanted to do. And on a, he almost unintentionally helps to propel it by that interview. No, he does, absolutely. The yeah. whole thing is him being manipulated to help get the war sold, and he, and, it, and that's ultimately what happens. Which I love, by the way, how the movie starts with Peter Capaldi going into the his office, listening to the interview with Simon, you know, from the night before, <laughs> yeah. listening to him saying, like, you know, he's talking about, at first they're talking about, like, diarrhea and stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just the <laughs> fucking prime minister talking saying, about fucking diarrhea. Keep saying diarrhea. Oh, he said it again. 
and then and then when they get to the thing where he says, "Oh, the war is unforeseeable," I I I say that the war is unforeseeable. He says, "No, you fucking don't. That's not what you fucking say." And he's freaking out. And he's, oh, when he's on the know, phone he's on with the, the guy, phone. he's like, "That is not what he fucking said." Oh no, you heard it. But let me assure you, it's not what he fucking said, and that's the truth. And then just gives him a verbal beatdown. Yeah, <laughs> I love what I love what he shows up in the. Uh, again, this is more about Tucker. I'm sorry, but when Peter Capaldi shows up to in Washington, which Simon is like, "Wait, you just follow him? Like you're here in person too? Like what's going on?" And and he says like, "Can I can I go to sleep now?" He's like, "No, you're gonna you're gonna rehearse saying nothing. We're gonna sit here and you're gonna rehearse saying nothing." And I'm like, and then he just says like, "Am I am I a, am I a hostage?" <laughs> <laughs> like, is this a kidnapping? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Holl- Hollander as Simon is is he, he's a little hapless. He's a bit of a doofus. I do like how he gets to assert himself a little bit. Like he has his assistant Toby, who I thought was gonna be like the voice of reason, but he's kind of a doofus too. <laughs> oh, he's he's playing the game as much as anybody else. He's the yeah. well, I mean, because he's the guy that tries to he leaks uh, one thing and then gets tries to get his uh, his ex girlfriend to leak something else. Which but I don't I know fir- if she does or if that other guy just takes the rap, but but the first time he leaks something, I think he does does it accidentally. Oh yeah, he does it because he has a friend at CNN and he mentions uh, offhand about this. So because one of the things in the movie is they're trying to figure. There's a council that's trying to uh, uh, I guess plan the war, but they're trying to keep it on the down low because they don't want a bunch of people getting into this thing because then they might get people in that are opposed to the war. So yeah. they they give it you know like like a committee they give it a boring sounding name and they have to they're Fu- going through all the committees trying to find the the one future and it ends up being, strategic planning yeah it's like future planning the committee for future planning you know yeah and so so he yeah Toby is on the phone with his buddy at CNN and he makes some offhanded reference and he's like well you don't know I thought it was all over the place he's like yeah this is the war committee and so that gets leaked out and then of course everybody and their dog shows up to the meeting and the room is packed and yeah it becomes a bit of a clusterfuck. Yeah, and the whole like the whole like big like final scene is them just trying to like to first make the vote later, and then make the vote earlier. They've got some like inside man with information that turns out to be nothing. Uh, they're rewriting fucking quotes by actual special, politicians. Special shout out to the performance by the British ambassador, who I believe is also from the TV show. He's fantastic. And when he goes into the room and he's like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we were hoping that perhaps we could move the vote forward. Because he's been told by the by, by uh, uh, Malcolm to do this. And then when Malcolm gets me, he's like, I need you to push it back. He's like, what? <laughs> you're Surely you're joking. He's like, no, no, I need you to push it back because we need time to get the evidence. <laughs> It's that great comedic editing yeah. too that of like of like uh I can't go out there but ladies and gentlemen uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know I, I say, and then it just cuts away <laughs> It does feel though like this and the death of Stalin are both like very I mean I mean very similar in terms of the way they're shot in terms of the way they're edited and the the joke style and everything even though I would say the death of Stalin is is I mean, very much like an American movie, more so, yeah. I would say. I mean, it, it, hilariously having Americans use their real American accents to play like Russian characters as well. Oh, and Jason Isaacs <laughs> playing yes. uh, uh, the, the general whose name escapes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Steve Buscemi's in the movie. Yeah. Like, well, he's he, he's Khrushchev. Come on. Yeah, he cut British, his hair off. British thespian Steve Buscemi. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Hello, Foster, fellow communists. So Simon Foster's our guy. He's the guy we're following. Um, plenty of fun people on the side. Like we talked about Zach Woods. Um, I like how he's making all these co- like little snide remarks at Liza, uh, my girl, Anna Tomsky. Because yep. she's the one who writes the report about the pros and cons of war. 
And now that report is like front and center. And she's worried about obviously losing her career. I wrote down a few of the quotes he said, because he says like, uh, enjoy your career kryptonite. And then one of the other quotes is like, you're like the woman from the omen. You've given birth to a demon and now it's going to kill you. Yeah. But then she responds like, wait, you're, because you're... <laughs> he, he does look like a grown up Damien with yeah, his black like hair. A... And then, and then uh, it, the other one I wrote down is your paper is everywhere. It's like a Harry Potter book, except you make everyone angry. Which is a, which is a very prescient line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If, if he's saying that she's the, she's the JK Rowling in that situation. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we've got him on the, we got him, we've got Liza, we've got Simon Foster, we've got Toby, we've got Linton, uh, the U S secretary of state, a very interesting, awful person. Oh, he's Apparently, just, he did the, oh, everything he says just, it sounds the worst when he's talking about, uh, uh, what was it, so they're in a meeting and Karen's mouth starts bleeding for no oh, reason because she, well, she, cause she's got something wrong with her teeth. Yeah. She's I don't and, know, she, scurvy perhaps. No, no. I think she just has like a crack in her teeth. She mentioned okay. it earlier to her assistant. Oh, okay. And then he's and he uh, he pretends to he pretends to be repulsed because really he just doesn't want to talk about the committee. He finds a reason to get out of it. And then he says after she leaves, a woman bleeding from the mouth reminds him of country and western music, and he cannot abide by that. I cannot abide by that stuff. Like, like and what does he, that mean? And it's just it, the way he says it. He's saying it like he's a radio announcer almost. Like he's got such a great voice. And oh, it's just it's just you don't want. It's a guy you don't want to be anywhere near. This dude. But what? The, but what? Do you, what does yeah. that even mean though? Uh, can't abide by this stuff. Is like, he, it's depressing, I guess. He doesn't like yeah, blood on your teeth. I guess it would be a country song. Is that is he referencing like uh, like someone getting hit? No, I think it's just maybe that's just driving home that he's an elitist prick, the okay. kind of person that would hate country music because poor people like it. I mean, I don't mind that he like that he doesn't like country music. That was the one thing that actually oh, you, connected you can, me. You with can the dislike character. country music because you don't like country music, but I think this guy doesn't like country music because poor people like it. Right, 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 but th- but th- I was just gonna say this was the one thing that connected me with Linton. I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not, maybe he's not so bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and w- what's interesting about this movie, I think what they point out a lot of times too is Simon is such a small, insignificant figure in politics, yeah. whether it's UK or US politics, and he yeah. is used as like a pawn yeah. this entire movie. Everybody bounces him around because he has so little kind of ability to direct it himself. And he does try to stand up for himself a couple times, but ultimately it nothing works out. <laughs> he ends up having to resign. Well, they can't <laughs> even like, they can't even get, they don't even get him a decent hotel room. Um, he shows up to this <laughs> the f- funny little term that comes up is he, he gets invited to these meetings and they basically, he basically finds out that he's room meet. Meaning yes. he's just there to bulk up the room and make it look like there's more people there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he doesn't like the the real the real moment. You know that something's up. He doesn't even have like a a, a saved seat. And Toby has a better view. His assistant has a better yeah. view of the room, and he switches seats with them. And even has this great moment where he's like, "Maybe I should say something, huh? Maybe I, maybe yeah. I should speak up." And they're like, "No, no, no. I don't. I don't think so." <laughs> yeah, but then he does. Um, well, he does because he's addressed because that that. Another great, like, cringy, like, almost like The Office UK or even The Office US, whichever one you take your pick, is when they address his quote about war being unforeseeable. And he stands up and he says, yes, I said that. And I stand by that quote, sits down, and then gets back up and says, that's not to say it can't change in the future. I might change my uh, mind later. You know, war is unforeseeable, but often we must climb the mountain of conflict. No, he says something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and that, then, and then, then they, the pro war guys start turning that into a bumper sticker. He puts it on a fucking painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, he get yeah he gets bounced around even by the people who you might be on their side a bit more mm-hmm. than Linton, like the people that are anti-war. Like they use him just as much as anyone else. But I also I need to talk about too, Brendan. One of my favorite moments in the movie where we get the contrast when he when he comes back from the United States and he goes back yes. to his local constituency and he's at the constituency hall in his shitty <laughs> office and he's talking to locals about local issues. And that's when we have Steve Coogan show up as yeah. a guy who, whose mom lives next to. Uh, uh, Simon and Simon's wall is about to fall into her garden and it's like it's yeah that's exactly the sort of thing you would deal with as a local kind of MP uh, Um, with your locals yeah a very very localized issue he's just been from the US talking about war in the Middle East yeah and he comes back and has to talk to his neighbor about some wall that's gonna hit his mom my favorite part about that whole scene though is when you see Steve Coogan on the phone and he's and he's telling the the whoever he's I think he's talking to Toby at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Toby's at, I think like, at the United Nations, and he's on the phone with Steve Coogan's character with this guy. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, you know, it, it, the wall's gonna fall down. And she's, mom, how old are you? How old are you? And she, mom, tell him how old you are. And she's like sixty. And he's like, and she's sixty. You're not fucking sixty. <laughs> she's like, well, if that's going in the papers. I'm sixty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's great to see. Uh, and I didn't even recognize him as Steve Coogan for like a few minutes. Until, it took a while <laughs> for me to realize it was him because he's yeah. older. Yes. You see. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that just contrasts of, yeah, this, this, this burning bright moment of this guy's life of being thrust into this international intrigue. And then, you know, by the end of it, he has to reside and he's going to go back to his regular life, probably as a realtor. Yeah. And that's that. I know. I get. <laughs> Maybe this should be in the bits and bobs, but I I have to mention uh, uh, some of the just moments like someone says, this is not easy peasy lemon squeezy. This is difficult, difficult lemon difficult. And just to see this movie, this movie, and then he quotes it later as a thing that British people say, which is the best thing to do. But just the moments in this movie that are so absurd, but handled so straightforwardly, like when James Gandolfini and and Mimi Kennedy are are in a house and they have to go discuss the war in private and they go into it. And they go into a kid's room and he picks up this like little kid's toy that when you put it in a number, it's like 12, six, you know, and she's like, and he's like, there's going to be this many troops. And he puts it in and it says 12. And she says, 12 troops. He's like, 1,000. <laughs> but it's, they, it's, it's done so, like, uh, you know, on the level. Yeah. They, yeah, it's just they sell it. It's great. <laughs> um. Uh, and then of course, and then of course, my last quote before uh, before I stop just picking out little bits here is when uh, Linton says to uh, to to Peter Capaldi's character because he's cursing a bunch and everything, and Linton says, "Now listen, this is a sacred place. Now you don't believe in that, and maybe I don't believe in it, but that's a, a useful hypocrisy." Hypocrisy, yeah, that's such a great line. That's a, that's a like that's like a die in the wall Armando Iannucci type line for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, listen, we both know what I just said is bullshit, but it's a good thing that I can say to get my way. Yeah, and then this movie doesn't wrap up in a very uh, happy way, I guess. No, no, it's a pretty downer ending. I mean, the war gets declared, um, and nothing really. Ch- well, and then and then poor Simon Foster is all set to resign, but then of course uh, Tucker sees this wall falling as an opportunity and says, "No, you're not. You're fired." He denies him, d- denying him even the ability to like go out on a moral stand and have like some sort of moral high ground. No, he's getting fired because of his wall fall over on his neighbor. Yeah, and it and it ultimately is Toby's fault because he brings it up. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. not knowing that, that that Tucker is this evil that he would yeah. just bring. <laughs> oh man, uh, it, and I guess. But ultimately, like even though these people resign and they and they quit, they're fired. Nothing really changes, right? No, see, a war is declared, but like, how long are they going to be tied up in that till anything happens again? Well, if we can go by our own reality, you know, about fifteen, twenty years, maybe. Yeah. So, is there any other big things you want to talk about before we uh, move on to our? No, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to do some bits and some bobs. All right. Well, on that note, then, Jason, we are going to take a brief break, and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Age of Radio, providing the finest in audio entertainment since 1876. Gonna send it around and come back around, that's what we call a loop here in this town. Send it around and come back to town, that's what we call a loop. We go round and round. When we take a loop and we do a quick tour, we're gonna come back, go round once again. You're gonna read some bits and bobs. You're not gonna read them, you're gonna hear them. Jason's got bits and bobs, and Brandon's got some bits and bobs too. In the loop. Country hit number one across the charts. In the adult contemporary country asshole genre, Brendan is number one for yet the ninth week in a row. Thank you. My first note, Brendan, uh, uh, early on, Malcolm, in reference to the diarrhea, uh, describes it as our spraying mayhem, which is a wonderful turn of phrase. <laughs> Again, there's too many great quotes of his. I'm making reference to stale pants. That made me laugh. Um, oh, yeah, with uh, Toby and his, his girlfriend. He's, He's like, I'll, he, just, I'll just have stale pants. <laughs> when, um, uh, when when Malcolm's on the phone with that journalist, he's trying to stop the unforeseeable story. And he goes nuclear on him and he like blackmails him, totally blackmails him, threatens to go to his wife about some side piece he has and gets him to spike the story. <laughs> didn't And we didn't really talk about um, Judy a whole lot, played by Gina McKee, but she's yes. a really interesting character too because she also just seems to be pretty straightforward just trying to do her job. She's trying to do her and, job. She's kind of put upon... And she gets yeah. blamed. She gets blamed for the leaks by Malcolm because Malcolm's a dickhead. <laughs> but he, but she honestly commits the least offenses. Yeah, yeah. She's just trying to get through the day and and you know manage this uh, this ministry. One thing I picked up on, and I don't know if maybe this you felt the same way or not, but it almost feels um, there's a certain Robert Altman esque quality to some of this because the dialogue, the overlap, like the naturally. Yeah kind of overlapping dialogue and kind of uh, not awkward, but like mm. um, very like handheld shots and everything. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a very cinema verite. Yeah. Yes. 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 Tiny film glasses locked in. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't it's know why good. I'm also sassy. <laughs> it's like Battlestar Galactica, but uh, yeah, no, they, mm. I guess they don't do as much Altman talking in that show. Um, no, they don't do yeah. Altman talking. Yes. Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Yeah, it, it's more natural. It's probably how uh, uh, you what the room would sound like if you were in the room in one of these bullshit things. Uh, the diplomat is like getting things together on the phone, and he's like, "You didn't worry about the Canadians; they're just happy to be there." <laughs> and I was like, "Yep, absolutely, we are." I love that. Um, one of one of the uh, interesting details is when they're editing the minutes of the meeting. To make it so that yeah. certain things weren't even said, and this I'm guy's pretty like, "Pretty sure that's illegal." <laughs> yeah, this guy's like, "I don't think we could do that." It's like, "Well, the, the minutes don't really matter; they're just kind of a summer, summary of it." And then he's like, "Also, change that." And he's like, "You want me to change what she literally said?" He's like, "Yes." 
<laughs> change change might be to is you know like yeah that and sort of can, and I like what that says. Can you just make it so that everyone was in agreement with that? <laughs> uh, I love I love when the moment between Toby and and uh, Chad, where Chad is making the sign up, <laughs> and he's like, well, we haven't quite settled on the font yet. And Toby goes, well, have you tried the the font of the SS? And he and uh, Chad goes, um, no, that would have bad implications. <laughs> and Toby's like heavy metal, and he's like. No, the SS. <laughs> like he doesn't get that Toby's literally calling yeah. him the SS. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else I got? There? Oh, and they're talking about um, Toby. Just he just carries his his squash racket around just because he's hoping to play squash. He doesn't actually play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also another scene. I don't remember what character says this, but someone says like. Uh, some assistant says, I brought my nunchuck, my nunchucks, and someone else says, well, let's just see how the meeting goes. Yeah. <laughs> is that Gandolfini that says I, that to his assistant? I don't remember, but that does sound that yeah, sounds something. Like something. Yes, I'll, I also wrote down, did, did Boris Johnson take notes on uh, Simon Foster? Just not not him being uh, likable or anything, but just his, like, oafish, uh, <laughs> dumbass behavior. Well, here's the thing. Boris Johnson has been around a long time, so it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Hollander had uh, uh, watched oh. Boris Johnson for some inspiration. Well, apparently this movie uh, did take some inspiration from all the uh, all the uh, um, negative things that the Tony Blair administration had yeah. to say about the BBC back in the day. Of course, absolutely. Because they were trying to sell a fucking war. Um, after they come out of that meeting where they, where they get the vote, we have a Linton and his assistant, and he's like... What'd you think? How'd that go? We did all right, didn't we? And he goes, yeah. There were a few moments where it got pretty hairy. And he just goes, no, there weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a great character moment, too, because he's like, yeah. nope, nothing just went wrong I'm at all. Just denying your reality totally. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, it, I wish – I I want to see that guy in more stuff because he's so good in this movie. And the last, I mean, I'm sure I have. And the last thing I have to assume from this movie is that the actual United Nations like uh, flag and insignias must be copyrighted. Because they use a clearly okay. fake uh, United Nations insignia in this film, so and it's kind of nice. It's not bad looking, but it's fake. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just looking up this guy now, Jason, because I was curious about David Rash, who plays uh, Linton. Yeah. He was in, of course, the classic Magic in the Water. You can hear all about that on my other podcast. Um, <laughs> he's in United ninety three. Uh, he's in, uh, um, and then he's in he's in, on Veep as well. That yes. looks like. I don't know if he was a, ma- a major character. Yeah, four years, eight episodes. So he wasn't like a, a major part. I wonder if he's, and he's the same also character. on. Uh, he's also on Succession as well. Huh. So and he was on Ugly Betty. Of course. So there you go. So he's in some stuff that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, except for Magic in the Water. I haven't watched a single episode of Veep, but I've seen the magical sea creature movie with Joshua Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that your last bit, bit and bob, Jason? That is my final bit and bob. Okay. Um. Oh wait, actually, you know, it, it's kind of ironic that instead of like bringing down a wall like Reagan did, he got brought down by a wall. Our son. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like when uh, uh, Toby is arguing with his girlfriend about, and she says, you know, like, oh, were her tits big? And he's just like, yeah, yeah. you know what? They were huge. They got their own <laughs> postcode. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> They're, they're so big that they they uh, they so attract other tits around them. And she's like, oh, like you? Yeah. Like, Boom. Yep. Roasted. Roasted. No comeback for that shit. 
I do uh, also got to point out the um, oh, and I got to ask real quick because you've seen the first episode of Veep. So, so is this style very much like Veep? Yeah, like is it very is it much similar? Much I don't know idea? if there's I don't know if there's quite as much talking over, uh, but it, yeah, it's very that. It's like the handheld cameras and a lot of yeah. swearing and and people getting at each other and and petty yeah. bullshit. And yeah, that's exactly what Veep is. It's an American version of of the thick of it, basically. I had always assumed that Veep was a network show. No. So then when I when I heard it was Armando Iannucci. And I'd seen this, and I had seen Death of Stalin, and now I'd seen this. I'm like, how can that be a network? And then I looked it up, and it said HBO. And yeah. I was like, oh, of course. Exactly. You can't make a show on NBC like that. Come on. No, absolutely not. Um, there's there's a bunch of extra little bits during the credits that made me laugh. The biggest one for me was when there's this guy on the phone. Well, the young guy from earlier, actually. Yeah. who Johnny uh, Pepperton? Tucker. Sure. Uh, yeah. The guy that Tucker was, like, cursing out for being too yeah. young. And he's he's like, oh, they're getting mad at me because I heard Huckabee's is is on the military like DVD like entertainment list. <laughs> well, no, isn't that isn't that referencing? Didn't didn't Linton in the movie at some point they were discussing it? And he's like, I can't abide by uh, this trash or this this tripe being provided to our troops. Yeah, but then the young guy says it again later. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's like, he's getting he's getting flack for it being on the list. He's like, this is sanctimonious bullshit. Yeah. And I and I'm like, I'm like, what an what an oddly specific movie to go after, but also like, yes, fuck, absolutely. That should not David be on a Russell, mili- right? That should not be on a military TV entertainment list. Perhaps it was just Armando Iannucci having his own little shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, David, uh, yeah, David Russell, yeah. Um, and then uh, I think that's uh, that's pretty much all I got. So that's yeah. that's that's the bits and that's the bobs, Jason. As the bits bits and the bobs of it. But what um, else do we got? We got you must well, have something else. Well, I do. I want to I want to tell you the so the writing of this movie. Um, apparently, they followed a very similar method that they they used during uh, when they were making the thick of it, the TV series. Um, one of the co-writers, Jesse Armstrong, said, it's exactly the same format as we used in The Thick of It. Simon Blackwell, Tony Roche, and I meet him, then come up with the storyline. Uh, three of us go away and do the storyline, then send it to Armando to be okayed and do the initial drafts. Then someone does additional material and rewrites. So it's a five-man team, but we all broken all broken down into different compartments. Never feels unwieldy. Once we had the storyline mapped out, each of us took an act. Um... I had the first crack at the first act, Simon at the second, and Tony at the third. Armando gave us notes, did another rewrite, passed them around. And he said, it's not like one person does the plot, one does the jokes, one does the politics. We all have our different strengths. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Just break it up right at the thirds. And, and then, then the director and then you got to bring it all together, just, yeah. Yeah, and then the director coming in and, you know, giving his own notes because he's the director. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, that's a good collaborative way to do it. I feel like there was quite a bit of improv, though, that went on here. That's a good question. I don't know, because it's one of those things that seems like, yeah, there probably should be, given the way that, especially given that I know on Veep, there's a lot of actors that yeah. are from improv, and the, like Matt, uh, Matt Walsh from the UCB, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there must be some, but also, I would totally believe it's one of those shows that's written to the word, and they just re- I have to read what's on the page. It could be, but it's it's hard for me to believe that Peter Capaldi didn't come up with some of those work, some of that dialogue. Uh, so uh, Iannucci also said that uh, when he was when he was doing uh, research for this for the for the movie, he said at least two people told me that Condoleezza Rice was a bit rubbish. He said she got rather rather starstruck in Washington and never really stood up to Cheney or Rumsfeld. Uh, both of the CIA and Pentagon guys I met said, and as a result, people got killed. The CIA guy said, and that's what really pisses me off. 
Um, I've also got a few uh, little bits here, Jason, a few little bits of trivia. Um, sure. I already mentioned G- James Gandolfini uh, making Peter Capaldi think that he was going to beat him up for real. <laughs> um, but prior to filming, uh, Armando actually gained access to the Department of State, the U.S. Department of State, really? just by flashing a simple photo ID to a security guard and saying, BBC, I'm here for the 1230. And then he just spent a few hours walking around, taking pictures with the set designers. Um <laughs> <laughs> how did this he not get arrested like anybody else who tried that shit would end up arrested confidence it must be he just flashed like, oh he's ID got a british and said, accent why would he's, and he's he's probably sort of a white guy well <laughs> it sounds italian i mean he said bbc i'm here for the 12 30 flashed his badge real quick and went in and that was it um apparently the shooting script for this movie after 30 days of filming was 237 pages long <laughs> the first cut of this film jason this is going to make you appreciate editors. The first yeah. cut of this film was four and a half hours long. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I'm glad they cut it down. On the other hand, I'd kind of like to see what that is just to see. I, w- <laughs> I would like it- to see it as like a Jane Silent Bob, yeah, like yeah. an hour and 45 minutes of deleted scenes kind of thing. But I don't want it put back in the movie. No, I want to be able on my own time to go watch Tracy Morgan do 15 minutes as that uh, as Pumpkin Escobar. That's what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> um, another thing that uh, Armando Iannucci told his actors, and he talked about this in an interview on uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross, um, he said that uh, when this for the scenes where they were following like the prime minister's trip to Washington, he said he told his cast, he told his British cast members, he's like, think of the first time you went to Hollywood. You had all sort of meetings and all sorts of agents came up to you and said how great you were. And you thought it was all going to change. And then you stayed in Hollywood for three or four days and you went home empty handed. He's yep. like, just just put that in your head in this movie. <laughs> um, and apparently, Iannucci had the same experience when he originally was trying to uh, pitch an American version of The Thick of It. Mm. And he had a lot of people talking about like, oh, that's so great. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, I love it. And of course, nothing happening. Uh, I'm assuming he tweaked that a bit and then came up with Veep. So that's good. Um, and apparently in, in the last little bit of this movie at the very end, um, I don't know if you caught this, but Malcolm Tucker comes out, looks at the TV and says, who let this woman out with a fucking hair like this? On national television, looks like she stuck her finger in a fucking electrical socket. <laughs> and he walks away. Um, this movie was released to critical acclaim yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie has a 94% with an average rating of 7.8 out of 10. Uh, the consensus reads, In the Loop is an uncommonly funny political satire that blends, that blends Dr. Strangelove with Spinal Tap for the Iraq War era. Um, response to the movie at Sundance was particularly strong. Uh, the, in the Times, they wrote, It's hard to settle on a standout element because it's also outstanding from the performances to the one-liners to the plot. Um, an interesting review came from uh, Screen International, who said that the mo- it was very complimentary of the movie, but they also said that the release of the film may be poorly timed given the new presidency of Barack Obama, stating its exuberant, boundless cynicism will test the demand for political satire in an Obama-infatuated America. Because it was true, when he was yeah. elected, people were fucking delighted. I mean, probably well, because the last eight years of Bush. Exactly. Could, After eight years of Bush. from there. If, if I mean, if we were lucky that we got Obama, but I mean, if they'd have elected a ficus plant, I'm sure everybody would have been on the same kind of high. I mean, Obama was better than a ficus plant. Hot take. Sure, I'd agree with that. <laughs> um, and the Chicago Tribune finally uh, put this movie as number seven on the top ten list of 2009. Jason, I'm also going to tell you that this movie does go to the Oscars. It Yay. is nominated 
nominated for one Oscar, does not win. What do you think it is? Best foreign language film, because the Oscar, the Academy couldn't understand it. No, good good guess, but Thank it you. actually gets nominated for best adapted screenplay, um, which goes that adapted year to, meaning meaning the TV adapted from the TV show. I don't know, but okay. it's under adapted screenplay. Yeah, my guess is because it's it is based on the same characters in the thick of it, so it's not like a completely uh, new. Well, um, shit. So if, if if TV adaptation can get an Oscar nom for its screenplay as an adaptation, like mm-hmm. what the mod squad was robbed. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a sentence you can say <laughs> out loud. <laughs> no, it does, but it does not win though, Jason, because that year it goes to precious based on the novel pushed by Sapphire, ah. which I'm assuming is based on the novel pushed by Sapphire. Yes. This, this film was also based on the novel Sapphire by push McCarthy. <laughs> Bush McCarthy, the scariest president. Did you do you know why that movie is called Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire? Because there's already isn't isn't uh, isn't there that Hayden Christensen movie called Push? No, it's actually a Chris Evans movie called oh. Push. Where it's Chris it's, Evans or Chris Pine? He's like he like he like yeah he like can push stuff. Yeah, you're thinking of you're th- Hayden Christensen. Yeah, that's what it is. Hayden Christensen, you're thinking of Jumper, where he jumps Jumper. over things. He's not pushing things. He's jumping over things. Yeah. Okay. It's actually a Frogger adaptation, ah, um, yeah, well. but they, they wanted to call it Jumper. They wanted to be edgy. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> that's the only thing it goes to the Oscars for. But at the BAFTAs, it's nominated for two BAFTAs. What do you think? Well, Best British Picture and Breast. Uh, breast. <laughs> and breast. Best breast breast. British Picture goes to uh, Carry On Up the Kyber. <laughs> best British Picture and Best Director for uh, Armando Iannucci. You're half right. It oh. does get nominated for Best British Film, which goes to a movie called Fish Tank. And it's also nominated as, just like the Oscars, it's also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. But hashtag BAFTA so white, because they go with Up in the Air as the winner. Wow. Yeah. Um, the movie cost uh, budget is relatively low, about 612,000 pounds. Wow. For yeah. the cast they had, that is, that's a, that's a steal. I mean, I don't know if anyone's getting like five, ten million dollars. I mean, James Gandolfini is probably the biggest star. Yeah, yeah, and and the fact that Gandolfini in the was this in the midst of the Sopranos, or was this maybe near the end of the Sopranos? Uh, I think this would have been after, or so, just right at the end. Yeah, maybe. somewhere near the end. So this, so he was making great. So this must have been one of the one of those for him projects that he was like, yeah, oh, I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Oh, I bet you he wanted to. He just wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, so that's the budget, and it made uh, $7.8 million. Pretty good return. Yeah, not bad. But Jason, I want to know what you thought, and if you think this is immortalized forever. I think this movie, yeah, I, I think this movie, I have to give it a, a hard maybe. Um, the British, like like a lot of Western nations and, and other nations, many nations across the world have, have traditions of mocking their government to various extents where they can get away with it. And the British are no different. The British have a particularly vicious uh, history of mocking their government, and I do love that. I, there's a there's an edge to British uh, uh, humor about its own government that is often lacking in American and uh, Canadian humor. You know, I, I love the Air Force growing up, but not exactly sharp, you know, like uh, mm. kind of family-friendly stuff <laughs> well and especially as you get further in the years the comedy kind of dulled a little bit yeah now i don't know if chris morris has done a movie like this i would like to see his take on it because i feel like it would be even more vicious but mm. four lions is also a fantastic movie and it's its own I sort mean, of satire 
I mean, yeah, and if we if it means we're going to get another movie from the director of Four Lions, I'm in. Yeah. Um, but it. yeah, no, I, I think this is a representative movie. And of course, uh, in British culture, if we think back, Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister were very important TV shows that were sitcoms about being in British government. Um, mm. So yeah, this one, and, and Iannucci went on to such fame with Veep in, the, in America. You know, he mm. really, he struck it big. There's that show ran for like seven seasons on HBO, yeah. which is And ended on run. its own, which is a delight yeah, to see. Ended on its own terms. Um, and that, that talk about great cast. That's another show with a fantastic cast. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. I, I found it was a little slow in the first maybe third of it, but it did pick up and I was getting a lot more consistent laughs by the end of it. Uh, if, if you like this sort of cynical, uh, uh, assaultive satire on government, then absolutely check this out. Because I, I do. I love that. I love this approach. Okay. So you're at a maybe. <laughs> hard, hard maybe. Okay. Um, I, I did really like this movie too. Um, I'm also going to say a maybe, I don't know how much, how much political satire like this do we have on the list? I feel like we have some of it, right? Well, I mean, the one that stands out is four lines, but like I say, that's a different sort of political satire, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, but but we have stuff that's all poking fun at the government for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know just cause this, it's getting very crowded now. I Mm. mean, this movie kind of. Um, unfortunately falls in within the last couple movies we're talking about. So I kind of know, so I kind of have a better idea of where my list is going at this point. So mm. it's, it's hard for me to say, I could say maybe, cause it probably is a maybe, but it's hard for me to really give it a strong yeah. maybe because I have just going through my yeses. Um, you know, I don't want to take, I don't want this. I said this last time. I don't want this list to be like 20% movies post 1999. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> like, it, I want to put some modern movies on there, but it's not, it can't all be that. No. So, um, so yeah, it's a maybe for me too, um, but it's really good. And if you like uh, this kind of sharp-tongued satire, you should check it out. Boy. So that's uh, that's that. Yes, Jason, that's that. Um, now, we only have one more movie on this list to talk about, mm-hmm. but we are going to take a one-month excursion, a four-episode excursion, once again, to do our final series of And Now for Something. Completely similar? Because we still have some movies we want to we want to connect to movies on this list. So next week, we are going to start that series once again with uh, the sequel, the squeakquel, you might say, to, <laughs> to Danny Boyle's uh, horror film 28 Days Later, because we are going to talk about 28 Weeks later, not directed by Danny Boyle, and starring Robert Carlyle, Jeremy Renner, and Rose Byrne. I see. Now, one one last question is very American, I believe. Has there has there heretofore been a twenty eight months later? No, but Jason, I know you make a joke about that, but there was, I believe that was soft announced when this movie did pretty well in theaters. Yeah, see, well, but it's been long enough that they're going to have to do a 28 years later if you can get my drift. <laughs> no, no, the, now we're in, the, we're in the realm where they're just going to call it like 28. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It'll just be a 28 with like a fucking scratch through it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's shortened now. Remember when titles had to be really long and now they're just like, and yeah. now it's like it's like when Scream Five came out and they just called it Scream. It's like fuck it, you cowards, just call it Scream Five. You know there it's was, the fifth there one. Was a we time know when, it's the fifth one. There was a time when that movie would be called The Englishman It Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain, but today it would just be called Hill Mountain. Hill Mountain. <laughs> it's just called English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Englishman at the Eng- most. English Mountain. English 
English mountain pie. <laughs> English mountain time. Called... Oh, shit. Wild mountain time, way too long of a title. That's why that movie failed. That's right. Um, Only reason. <laughs> but yes, next week we'll talk about 28 weeks later. We'll start now for something completely similar. And then uh, after we do four of those, we'll do our final movie on the list. And if you guys... And if you guys have seen the list, you should know what that is. So I won't say it. I'll let you figure it out. Um, but until then, Jason, they can find us all over the place. We're on all the social medias. We're on Facebook. You can search for us there. We're on Twitter. And we're on Twitter at FSAC Pod, as in for screen. And Podcast. Uh, our home base, of course, is Age of Radio. You can go to ageofradio.org slash for screen. And or you can find us on any old podcast app. Jason, what about you? Ah, uh, God damn it. I'm out there. I'm on I'm on Twitter still. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Do you have MySpace? No, I probably should go back to it, though, honestly. Give Tom a chance. Yeah. Maybe I'll go on Substack. That'd be fun. Yeah. I don't know. I'm at Jason D. McLeod on Hive and Twitter, so follow me there and... Does Get Substack still have Jared Fogle as their spokesperson? Oh, uh, I don't think you're allowed to do spokesperson jobs from prison. Well, that's news to me, pal. Yeah, he, he was going to endorse Substack because he was writing less words than he used to. I don't know. Because he lost, he gained the weight back by going He gained the weight back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> prison food isn't agreeing with him, and he gained all that weight back. He, need, he needs those pants from the commercial. Dude, he's probably out in the yard getting fucking yoked. Well, what else do you do, right? Although he is a pedophile in prison, so it's probably not working out well for him. He's in protective um, custody. He'll be hanging out with ex-cops and shit. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't think they really like pedophiles that much either. No, but, but they're less likely to murder somebody in prison. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you do, NBD. Um, but yeah, so there we go. That's what we're going to talk about next week. 28 weeks later, get ready. Buckle up. Get in your seats. Get ready. Get it done. Okay. All right. I am. I'm, I'm strapped in. and I'm going to be here all week. Jason, send us home. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Jason. My friend here is Brendan. And I just have to say to you, God save the king. I'm at the door. Ring-a-ding-ding. And for screening country, I'm still Jason. I'm Brendan. I'm at the door. Would you answer the goddamn door? Ring-a-ding-ding. And we'll see you next week when eventually I open that door and we talk about all the things we're going to talk about. Open the goddamn door! You you, you can't come in. You're not allowed. Jason! COVID protocols. Jason, let me in! Bye! Fucking podcast from right here. I don't care.